Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. To uh, hear any past messages, you can go online. They're all up there. They're both in podcast form where you can just listen to them or you can watch the actual service. But 37, if you haven't been with us, is about this, that Barna did a study and it said that 37% of pastors... Guys who stand up here and preach the gospel, 30% of them truly live and believe in a biblical worldview as defined by this scripture. That's mind-blowing. We've talked about it. It, it. it is crazy to me. And it looks a little something like this. A biblical worldview is God is at the center. A secular worldview means this, that you're at the center, that man or, or woman are at the center of the world and the universe. The end game for a secular worldview is this, to glorify man as the author of his own progressive salvation. Now just hold and think about that for a while. The end game in a secular worldview is that you're going to rely on yourself at the end of this game, at the end of this life, for the next life. That scares the hell out of me. Literally. I do not, I, again, I've made, I've made several references to whether it be, I can't even figure out a Rubik's Cube or, or I can't, you know, I can't spell or conjugate a verb. You guys see that in my notes often. I can't, I, my grammar's terrible. How in the heck can I ever save my own life when I can't even do these things? It ain't happening. The end game in the secular worldview is all about man. Man is at the center. The end game in a biblical worldview is this. To glorify Jesus as the author and the perfecter of my salvation. It's as we said early in this series that, that we get off the throne and we put Jesus on the throne and we allow him, the creator of heaven and earth, to dictate, to drive, to guide, to love, to show, to be the one that pays the price for my sins because I can't. That, that's what a, a, a basic overview of what we've been talking about. Let me pray as we get going here this morning. So, Father, I thank you for this time for these men and women. God, I thank you for your son Jesus that gives me freedom, that gives me hope, that gives me eternal life. God, I thank you that I don't walk in condemnation, that I don't have to walk in guilt, that I can walk in the freedom of what Christ did on the cross some 2,000 years ago. God, I pray that you'd speak to us this morning through your word. God, I pray that you'd give us eyes to see and a heart to receive, that we might know you more intimately. Lord, give us ears to hear. God, give us ears to hear. Holy Spirit, fall on this place. Deliver us. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Last week, we talked about in finishing up um, what now what? What do we do after looking at all these biblical worldviews? We kind of wrestled through a bunch of them, secular humanism and, and, and different, different types of worldviews. But, but I, I, what I don't like, and I've done it many a times as a pastor, what I don't like is when a pastor preaches a, a, a fantastic series, <laughs> when a pastor preaches a series, but then goes on to the next one. And they go, ah, that was great, but now what? What do I do with the information that you gave me? See, because we're always wrestling this tension of the be and do. The walking and being in Christ Jesus. But, but because of what Jesus did in my life, there's, a, a, there's something that happens that goes forth out of my life. And that tension, like I said, between the be and do of Christ. I don't do because of what he did. I do because of what he did and the love that comes forth. How do I not preach the gospel because of what Jesus did for me? Not because I have to. Not because of religious deeds but because God changed my life and saved me from the pit of hell. How do I not? 
So now what? Last week we, we started with this. If, if you missed it, I, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it. And uh, what we said last week was this. 6% of evangelicals, 6% of the church, those who call themselves Christians, believe and live a biblical worldview. That, that 94% of Christians don't believe in, in the inerrancy and the, the, the wholeness of the scripture and do not live a biblical worldview. They don't walk in that tension of the be and do. They don't walk in the freedom that God has called them to walk in. And that, that's what we talked about last week. And, and we went through 10 uh, uh, um, different checks, if you will, in your heart of comfortability as a Christian. And we talked about, hey, let's look in the mirror and see if any of these really touch on your heart. And I'm not going to go through them all today, but I'll, I'll give you a couple that, you know, it, it, what we said was this. If there are no paradoxes, tensions, or unresolved questions about your faith, then you're probably really comfortable in your Christianity. In other words, if you're not wrestling through what this word says, you're probably a little too comfortable in your Christianity. We said no one, uh, no one in your church or life could comment on the area of growth that they've seen in your life, then you're probably too comfortable in your Christianity. So we just went through those 10. And I thought it was really interesting because I, I went through those 10 and I had a ton of feedback. Like probably more feedback than I've ever had. And it kind of sat on a couple ends of the, uh, the spectrum. Let me, let me give you a, a couple of them now. And if anybody's in here that said any of these things, therefore there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, get over yourself. They don't know it's you. All right? And, and there's purpose in it. There is purpose in it. I promise you. I'm not doing this other than to go, okay, let's let, hear some of the things after last week's sermon. That was a solid sermon. I like that one. That was a solid sermon. I got this one. That was overwhelming. It's like drinking, have you, you know, when you're drinking water of a fire hydrant, you know, it's just blowing your ears back. This one kind of throws me a little bit, but hey, I'm going to a different church. And, and it, it sounds, I mean, that sounds, I'm going to a different church. And he's like, go, get out of here. We don't want you here. I, this, I think that why me and Eddie are so tight, you know. But literally it was, I, I don't like that conviction that comes over when I'm, I'm here. I'm like, I, I didn't write this stuff. I'm just trying to communicate it. I had someone say, I'm not going to do that. Okay. I'm not the one running from the fiery flames of hell. No, I'm kidding. That was, I repent. That was wrong. I am wrong. It, it, I, I'm wrong for saying that. That's not what the Bible says. Really? Okay. People want to, but don't know how. I had, uh, two separate people that uh, I, I'm actually, I'll call them out. I don't care. Roxana and, uh, and, 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 and Dave said, look, I, I love, you know, I love that message. And, and Roxana's a therapist and, and deals with the crazy in the world and, and all of that. Dave is praise for people and God used them in incredible ways. But it was, it was, oh, People need to know how to step out of and actually do it. They can't get to the next base because they don't know how to get outside of where they are. And all these reflections are, then questions are, are legitimate, including, I don't want to come here anymore because I'm too convicted. Legitimate. But, but here's what I need you guys to do as Christians or non-Christian. I don't know if you don't know Jesus. Here's what you need to do. Here's your responsibility, Acts 17, 11. I talk about it regularly. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. How many of you thought I wasn't going to be able to pronounce that? I practiced that dang thing so many times that I butcher it again. Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness. Here it is. Examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. What is he saying right there? That when you leave this place, when you hear a message online, when you hear or talk to someone about Jesus, search the scriptures and make sure they're telling you what the words of God says. And if they're not, confront them. If they won't receive, get away. Run. That's what searching for truth looks like. 
And, and it, there is a responsibility that you guys bear as congregants, as, as the church, to, to hold God's word against what you hear. Truth. It's critical. It's important. And I challenge you guys in that. Of all those, those comments about uh, last week, the one that grabbed me is this one. People want to but don't know how. It just, it didn't, you know, my job, what my job, my calling, what God has called me to in this church is, is to bring truth, but, but to disciple and, and, and give you those, those keys to life and, 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 and learning how to be all that God has called you to be. Now, it, it happens, discipleship happens on a couple levels. It happens up here, but this is not the primary uh, uh, way that people are discipled from the pulpit. Don't, don't kid yourself, say, I'm being discipled because I come to church and I preach the gospel. Discipleship is a relationship that we see in Scripture. And my encouragement to you is, is this, and I said it last week, if you have no one in your life, you would like someone in your life to walk this out with you called life and discipleship relationship, please let me know because I have a number of people who would love to walk with you in that. Discipleship happens in that relationship. But this people want to but don't know how, just, I, it, that was a tough one to sleep on and, and really is the foundation of this message this morning. Week eight, uh, and it's n- now what part two? Now what part two? And it's around this, these three things. Freedom. Freedom. In other words, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, and I say it regularly. But I look at the church and and I see this bound up church. There's no condemnation in Christ. When you come into that relationship with Jesus, therefore there's no condemnation. The foundation of what we talk, you're a new creation in Christ. You need to know that you're not what you were, that you're not who you were. You're a new creation in Christ and you need to believe that and walk that out as a believer. Preaching and discipleship, that God gave us a mandate to do these things. Let's look at these three real quickly this morning. First one, freedom, no condemnation. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, period. I, I, I can't, there's nothing added to it. There's nothing. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Why? We look at Romans 1 through 7. Prior to Romans 8, we spent, gosh, I think eight weeks last year going through Romans 7. But prior to Romans 7 is, is, is Romans 1 through 7. It lays it before Romans 8 is 1 through 7. It lays it out. And 1 through 7 talks about a holy God. It talks about a sinful man. It talks about the coming wrath, the judgment that will come to you and I as humans for rejecting God. But then it also talks about a perfect Savior. It talks about a perfect atonement. It talks about Jesus who died on the cross for my sins, who bled for me and you, and then three days later rose again from the dead. It talks about the risen Christ in 1 through 7. It talks about justification. Justification is is remembered this way. Justification is just as if you've never sinned. I love that. When God looks at you, he looks through the blood of Jesus, and he says, just as if he's never sinned. I don't deserve that. But God gives it to me sanctification, this process of becoming holy, of God making you more like him. Romans 1 through 7 hits all of that, and then Paul sums it all up. Now, wouldn't you think that that would be enough? Paul sums it all up in this message of Christianity in 8.1, and he says this, therefore, in view of all of that, in view of all of what? In view of all of that Jesus did. Therefore, in view of everything that Jesus did on the cross. Therefore, in view of him dying a a, a heinous death on the cross, therefore, therefore, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And, And you and I many times don't believe it. Many times we don't believe it and we're still beating ourselves up See, the essence of Christianity, of this scripture, the, the centrality of this scripture, the foundational message in this, this world is Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and freedom that I live in, that you live in because of what he did. This is what we preach. 
this is what people need to see in your life. And this is why we're to lay down our lives for others. Why? Because you're free. Because you're free. Because you don't walk in the guilt and condemnation. Because you're free. Freedom in Christ Jesus. You're free in Christ Jesus. So what does condemnation look like in our lives? Eddie, come here. Let's, I, want, I want to give you a little visual. Oh, boy. I want to give you a visual. What does condemnation look like? What does it look like to be bound up? Put those two on my feet. To be bound up. What do you see in, in our lives? Oh, no, Eddie's already trying to be. Visuals are good for me. They connect uh, my, my brain to what, what is said. So hopefully it'll be the same for you. Okay. Oh, behind. Oh, geez. that's a very familiar position for you, Eddie. Practice. Had a lot of practice in this one. Yeah, let's go All right, jeez, thank you. We're gonna give you some dignity. Okay, give me. Ronnie, come here. <laughs> what <am I? laughs> no, I was just Jeez, I, <laughs> okay. I love it though. Okay. Tighter. Well, there you go. What what is what does condemnation look like? Put that over <laughs> my eyes. I, I know. No eyes. <laughs> Here's what, what condemnation looks like. We get caught up in our, our sin. Now, this is, I'm pretty balanced here. I, I, we get caught up in our sin, and we don't want to look at anybody. Condemnation looks like this. The enemy goes, you're never going to get rid of that. It looks like, whoop, there we go, almost fell. It looks like not being able to see. Con- condemnation looks like what happened to me 20 years ago is going to keep me bound up the rest of my life. Condemnation is unsettling. It, 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 it doesn't allow me to run at all. It barely allows me to walk. Condemnation takes the church and just handicaps her. And, 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 and she doesn't move as God meant her to move because she's bound and she can't get out and, and, and there's this struggle of, of like, gosh, dear Jesus, I, I, I want to get out of this. Dear Jesus, I can't see. Condemnation feels like this, this lostness that, 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 that it'll, it'll never go away. It, it, it feels like loneliness, even amongst 60 people who are in the same room. Condemnation feels like hopelessness. Oh God, it'll never change. Oh God, this sin will never go away. Oh God, the hurt is always going to be there. And the enemy just continues to whisper in our ears. He says, it's not going away. The enemy whispers in our ears the lies and says, you'll never be free. And we believe. That's what condemnation looks like. But, but here's the thing. Some of the condemnation that we walk in, we, we can physically get ourselves out of. I mean, through the Word of God, through prayer. But then there's some condemnation that we walk in that I need someone else to help me. I need someone to pray for me. I need someone to walk this out with me because I just can't do it. And, and, and pride and, and, and foolishness, all these things overcome us. And God goes, you're free. You're free. You don't have to walk in this. He, he, he literally says that, go, Seth. It, uh, there we go. He literally says, there's no condemnation in your physical pain. What does that mean? 
you didn't do anything in this earth to deserve that pain you're going through. There are people that go, oh, the, the physical pain that I'm going through is because I was this, because I did this, because God is mad at me. Therefore, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There's freedom and no condemnation in a marriage full of difficulties or a marriage that was a failure. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. In the world, condemnation, guilt, just ridden with all of these things. In the scripture, when you come into that saving relationship with Christ Jesus, you walk in a freedom. It doesn't own you anymore. You don't have to walk around blinded, not being able to look in the eyes of others. You can look them in the eyes knowing that Christ made you who he made you to be. And you can walk in the, the grace of who he's called you to be. There's no condemnation to failures of parenting. That one's a tough one. Especially when you get five kids. You're bound to screw up someone. <laughs> God's grace is good. There's no condemnation when I, when I made mistakes. There's no condemnation when they were little and I, I yelled at them for whatever. There's no condemnation when I made that bad decision as a parent. It doesn't free me from going back and bringing God's grace into it, but I'm not going to walk in that condemnation. I'm going to walk forward into what God has for me. There's no condemnation in the abortion that this woman had some 30 years ago and the healing that God has done in her heart. There's no condemnation. And she's whole in Jesus. Her story is a crazy one. I don't have time to get into it. It's that crazy. I don't have time. But the wholeness that she walks in is because she doesn't walk in the condemnation that the enemy speaks lies. That doesn't mean that she never does. It doesn't mean that I never do. It means that there are times, but my life is not defined by my mistakes and the stupidity of humanity. My life is defined by this word in God's grace. Therefore, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation in what happened to you 20 years ago that you had no involvement and, and didn't want. And you know what I'm talking about. Those of you who 20, 30, 10, 5 years ago were affected by someone who did something to you that they had no right to take that from you. And what the enemy does is, is say these things like, well, you, you deserved it. Or, or, or you were this way towards them and then, you know, you kind of brought it on yourself. You were too sexual or you were too prov provocative or you were too this or you were too that. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. And you don't have to walk in the condemnation that the enemy wants to bring. There's freedom in Christ Jesus. It's so good. There's freedom if the church is bound up in so many ways. This is your standing before God as a forgiven child. This is your standing. This is my standing. I'm free. This is my standing. I'm free before God. When I came into that relationship with the Savior, with my Savior, when he forgave my sins, when he, when he died on the cross and rose on the third day, he washed away all of that stuff there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And when the enemy comes to speak the lie, I go, no. I go, no. Because this word tells me something different. You want to know why the world's trying to, to, to shove a, 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 a secular worldview down your throats that is the antithesis of this scripture? Is because he does not want you to walk in freedom, nor does the word, world. They want you bound up. And Jesus says, no, you're free. You're free. Therefore, there is no condemnation, period. End of the story. Freedom has to be walked out every day, though. Freedom has to be walked out every single day. Every morning, I replace the lie with a truth from God's word. If you're wondering why you wrestle through that, it, it, it is going to this word and go, no, this is who God says I am. This is the promises of God's scripture. And that's what I grab a hold of to walk out this freedom. To walk out this freedom. And for some of us, you're going, I, 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 I can't do it. You need help. 
then you, you, come and ask. Some of you are going, I, I don't know where to start. I'm going to give a time for prayer at the end of this service. And, and, and this is the time to come up and, and ask for prayer. This is the time to allow God. The Bible says clearly God gives grace to the humble and opposes the proud. Don't believe the lie. Stop believing the lie. The lie, I will never be free. The lie, I can't be forgiven. The lie, this is just who I am. It's a lie. It's not true. That's not what the scripture says. Believe the truth. Therefore, in view of all these things, what things? What Jesus did on the cross. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free to be who this Bible and who Jesus says I am. I'm not bound by the world and sin. Number two, this, this foundation starts with understanding and believing that you're a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What do I mean, in Christ? In Christ means this, that I've come into this relationship with the creator of heaven and earth, and I've confessed my sin and said this, I'm not in control. You're in control. Will you come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior? When you come into that position with the creator of heaven and earth, what it means is this. He takes and he wipes away all of your sins, and you're a new creation. I want to show you a picture. In Christ, we are regenerated, renewed, and born again. And this new creation is spiritually minded, whereas the old nature is carnally minded. Before Christ, I thought about sin. I thought about me. I thought about this. In Christ, I think about others. I think about Jesus. And I think about me a lot less. But it says this in Romans 6, 4, and here's the word picture. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Water baptism is, is, a, is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And what this scripture means is this. When we are water baptized, it's the same picture of Christ was crucified, put in the grave, and then rose again a new uh, a, a nude and alive. When we get water baptized, it's literally a picture of, of going into that water and that old sin nature, that old sin man, that old sin woman stays in the water. And when we come up, it's this picture and, and, and this proclamation that I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. That's why baptism is so important. It is a, it is a picture of what Christ did. It's a cutting away of the old. In Roman times, if you murdered someone or, or committed a grave sin against someone, th what they would do is they would take that person, they'd strap them to your back, and you would walk around with that person strapped to your back. You can only imagine over time what would happen with the deterioration of a dead person on your back. And that same disease and death of sin that entered that person would start to enter your body and you'd slowly die a slow death. Sin. Sin is slowly dying a slow death. See, and, and this baptism with Christ Jesus, this relationship, it, it is like when you have that old man on your back, you go into the water, and Jesus cuts away that old man, restores who you are, and you come out of the water fresh and anew. Baptism isn't salvation. Salvation happens in that relationship with Christ and submitting to him and giving him everything. But it's in that water something happens spiritually, a cutting away of the old man. God says, new creation in Christ. A new creation in Christ. We're no longer slaves. Anybody ever feel like a slave to their sins? It's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Romans 6, 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you're not a slave to sin. You may be acting like a slave, but you're not a sin. You're not a slave. You're not in sin. You may, you may go back to this place of being bound up because you make choices to do that or, or it just feels comfortable, but, but the scripture here says you're free. You're free. We're alive in Christ even when we are dead in our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By God's grace, you and I are saved. 
Stop believing the lie. That's easier said than done. It's so easy to stand up here and say, stop believing the lie. When I don't know about the 10 years, the 15 years that you've wrestled with the lie that's in your head. The lie that's in your soul. Because the enemy spoke it and 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 spoke it. And then the preacher gets up there and says, read your Bible each day. Pray every day. Listen to worship music. You, I can't do it because the lie that's just been spoken and spoken and spoken. And, and, and you need help. I need help. We all need help. And it comes through many ways. Discipleship being one of the primary ways. Humility and repentance being a way. Walking this out with others being a critical way that God has called us to. Why? For others. All this freedom, it isn't about you as much as it is about you. It's about others. It's about those that you know that are bound up in their sin and they don't have freedom. We're alive in Christ. Stop believing the lie. And the lie that's been said is I'm the same and I'll never change. I'll never, I am, I am, that's just who I am. That's just who I am and this is what you get. I want to cuss so bad. Because it's, don't, thank you. I'm not going, I said I want to. And so I, will, I just, because the enemy just, just has spoken to so many of us. And we're just, ah, uh, no, you're not, not going to change. You will change by God's grace. You can change by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me be real clear here. This isn't self-help. You, in and of yourself, can do nothing. It is the same Spirit, Holy Spirit, that raised Christ from the dead, that lives in me when I come into relationship with Him, that does the work. Not me. I can't ever take credit for any of it. It's just, oh God, have mercy. Oh God, have mercy on me. Yes, I can change. Not by my own power, but by the power of God's Word. By the power of prayer. By the power of community. By the deliverance that the Holy Spirit brings. Believe the truth. Believe the truth. Ezekiel 1.3 and I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Romans 8, 1, therefore there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Here's the truth. The truth, in Christ we are loved. You are loved. In Christ you are forgiven. In Christ there is security in Christ, you're adopted into his family. In Christ, the truth is this. You're justified just as if you've never sinned. In Christ, you are redeemed. A price was paid for your life, and it was Jesus' price on the cross. In Christ, you are reconciled to God, the creator of heaven and earth. In Christ, you are chosen all the things that, 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 that haunt us, that I won't be accepted, I won't be loved, I won't, I can never change, all those things, this scripture and this Jesus that I serve says, no, 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 I love you unconditionally, you're forgiven, you're secure in, in your salvation, and, and I, I take you just as you are because of what my son did, and in fact, I don't even see your sin, God says, because of the blood of Jesus that covers you. The truth is in Christ Jesus. The truth is in Romans 8, 37. When we are in Christ, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You can conquer that sin. You can conquer that unforgiveness. You can conquer that bitterness. You can conquer that hurt. You can conquer whatever it is in your life that is just waiting on you. You can conquer it in Christ Jesus. In Christ, we're victorious filled with joy, peace, and granted true meaning in life. Yet the church runs around like with their head cut off. And, and, and people are going, why do I want to be like that? 
Why do I want to be like that? That's not who God wants us to be. That's not what the Scriptures say. Number three is preaching and discipleship. There's no way around this one. It's a mandate. It, it is not uh, option. Option number four, you can reach the lost. I, this is Scripture. This isn't me. If it ticks you off, eh, go to another church. Uh, Matthew 28. Sorry, I say that. I act like a tough guy out here. Please don't leave. <laughs> I love our church. I do. Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Who is it given to? Those who are in Christ Jesus. That's mind-blowing. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, a sinner, that by God's grace is saved. Therefore, ah, this is the therefore, go, go, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely, surely I am with you always, even to the end of this age. The mandate is go. The mandate is don't come to church twice a month. The mandate is come whenever you can get here, every week if you can. But that's not what we're talking about here. The mandate is go and be the church. The mandate is be the church in your community where you live. The mandate is be the church in your relationship. Be the hands of feet in your neighborhood. Be the hands and feet in the mind of Christ and the, the smile of Christ in your workplace. Be Jesus to your kids to your husband, to your wife. He, he, he mandates us in this. He goes again here, 2 Timothy 4.2. I love this one because it, it, it's, it's misquoted many times by usually you guys. But, but <laughs> <laughs> preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, and complete patience in teaching. Now, what Paul is talking about here when he's talking about preaching the word, the idea of a formal setting of a church wasn't even in his mind. There was no pulpit with chairs nicely. There's no great couches, donuts, and coffee. That's not what Paul was thinking about. None of that was in existence. <laughs> therefore, therefore, nor does it connote th this service not being present, nor does it connote the certain style of speech, preach and teach in normal conversation. He doesn't delineate between uh, me standing up here and preaching the gospel, you having a conversation with someone, or Melvin teaching us. It, it, there's no delineation. In context of 2 Timothy, any presentation of the truth of God's word is preaching. Any time that you give truth to your neighbors, to your coworker, when I am at, at work, and, and I, I, this week was at work, and it was a little, it was a crazy week. It, it was nuts. And I can't tell you how many times I, I just speak a, a biblical principle and, and it, it's, it, Jesus' name was not brought up. But I, I'd speak a biblical principle. That's preaching the gospel. You know why? Because it's, it's, it's turning the soil. It's turning the soil in someone's heart. It, 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 therefore, any Christian can and should preach the gospel. Sorry. We're all on the hook. And, and I, I say that flippantly, but the reality is I'm not on the hook. Oh, God, I want to preach the gospel to someone. Why? Because apart from Jesus, they're dying and going to hell. I have the answer. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. In this final epistle, Paul tells Timothy how to build the church. How do you build the church in ministry? He gives instructions applied to all pastors, yes, and also to all believers. Jesus is calling on the church to go preach the gospel. Jesus says, it's good that I leave. Because I'm sending the counselor, John 15, 14 and 15. He says, I'm sending the counselor, the Holy Spirit that will live in you, that will guide and give you the words when you need the words, that will direct you, that will give you the eyes to see so that when you preach the gospel to others, their lives might be changed. They might grab a hold of that hope of Christ Jesus. Preaching the gospel, Romans 10, 14. How do I get away from this? How do you get away from this? How then will they call on him and who they have not believed? 
And how are they to believe in him who they have not never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Now, we just established that preaching is not about me, the minister. The preaching is about the church. How are they to hear without someone preaching? You. You're the church. You bring the gospel. And the bar, the entry, is, is so low. And God, because God knows that we're idiots. The bar is low. For some of us, it's just as simple as a smile and a hello this morning. Let's start there. For some of us, it's just a meal. For some of us, it's, hey, do you want to do a study? For some of us, it's, it's loving people well preaching the gospel, and he said to them, go into all the world proclaiming the gospel to the whole creation. He's speaking to us. There's no way around the mandate. Don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. It's not my job to lead some of the Lord and discipline them. Uh, just discipline them. Yeah, it's not your job to discipline, disciple them. It is our job to disciple them. And when you disciple someone, sometimes there is d- discipline. Don't believe the lie. You know why? I, I, I want a church that is alive. That when they walk out this building, they're actually preaching the gospel. I know it's, it's scary. I, I, gosh, it, it, I, I, I get afraid. There, there are times like, I don't want to, I, I just, Lord. I don't want to go through this. Just this last week, there's a man that I know doesn't know Jesus, and I felt like the Lord said, you need to break down and preach the gospel to him. Romans 3, Romans 6, Romans 8, Romans 10. You need to just break that down with him. I got real busy last week. Not an excuse. Just disobedience. But I thank God that my mom wasn't disobedient. To preach the gospel to me. I thank God that Greg Ball, some, when I was 25 years old, wasn't disobedient. He preached the gospel to me. It changed my life. Changed my life forever. Thank you, Mom. Thank you. Believe the truth, the mandate, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be my witness in both Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even the remotest part of the earth. See, it's, it's not you. Remember what I said earlier? It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. This preaching the gospel isn't about you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in you that comes forth and gives you the words. All I'm doing is being obedient. I just need to be obedient. That's what God has called me to. Believe the truth, the mandate. Therefore, go and make disciples of the nations. Jesus isn't asking us. It's not an opinion or an option. It's a biblical mandate to preach the gospel. It's that be and do. Don't, don't get, I, I'm going to make it real clear. This isn't, I've got to preach the gospel. It's not a religious act. It's the fact that God saved me. And the reason that, 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 that he did is because he loves me. And he wishes that none should perish. But he used a man and a woman to do that. And I want to do the same. I want to do the same. There's no condemnation. Therefore, there's no condemnation. If, if you've been struggling with that, if you're not doing that and you're like, oh, no, the way. No, no, no. What we say, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. All I'm saying is this. Take a step of obedience. Go, okay, God, I don't know how. I don't know what to say. I don't know. But, but the Bible says that the Spirit of God lives in me, so I need you to direct. I need you to speak. I need you, Holy Spirit, to do this thing. Because it also says I'm a new creation. So that old John that just wants to do whatever John wants to do, when John wants to do it, is dead, and there's a new John because of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and the new John that doesn't know what to say has the Holy Spirit that lives in him who does know what to say, so I'm going to, okay, I'm going to take that step of obedience. Therefore, there's no condemnation. I'm a new creation in Christ. Look how beautifully the Word ties together 
when there's no condemnation, when there's, when there's no condemnation. Hey, let me tell you, I've seen God at, in, in, in the midst of my sin, uh, moments later, step out and preach the gospel. I, I'm not saying it in a bragging way. I'm saying it in God's grace way, that God uses an idiot. How beautiful. There's no condemnation. And I, I step in here, and then and God just starts speaking, and I speak to someone about Jesus. See, it's not about you. God cares more about those who are dying and going to hell than your foolishness. He'll deal with your foolishness, but he cares more about those who are dying and going to hell. That's why how David survived, what, almost a a year before his sin was revealed. Whole nother subject. When there's no condemnation, we understand we're new creations in God. We preach the gospel. We preach the gospel. We give Jesus. We give hope. Have you noticed a pattern today? The pattern is this, truth and lies. Truth and lies. The lies are this, when he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's the enemy, whispers in your ear. That's the, he's the father of lies and he's lying to us daily. The thief only comes to steal, kill and destroy. He comes, John 10.10, 10, the enemy to steal your, your purpose, to kill your hope, and, and to destroy your destiny. 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He is looking to devour. He is looking to destroy. Those are the lies. That's what the enemy does. Look at the truth. I have come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Jesus, I've come to give you life and give it more abundantly. What does abundant look like? Abundant life look like? No condemnation. No guilt. What does abundant life look like? I know who I am in Christ Jesus. What does abundant life look like? It's the assurance of salvation. And when I screw up and the enemy goes, see, I told you, you're, you're not making it to heaven. You're an idiot. I go, no, no, no. I have, first John, I have the assurance of my salvation through Christ Jesus. That's abundant life. You know what abundant life looks like? It looks like surrounding ourselves with people who love us, who want to walk us through our stuff, who want to be accountable, who, who understand discipleship. You know what abundant life looks like? It looks like surrounding yourself around a church that loves you and wants to see you grow in Christ, Christ Jesus. You know what abundant life looks like? It looks like speaking your, your life and, and the, the beauty of what God's done in your life and, and giving other people the hope of what God's done in your life. That's what abundant life looks like. Truth and lies. Who will you believe today? This is the question that we have to ask and answer every single day. Who am I going to believe? Who am I going to believe? Grayson, as you come, come up and we receive this communion, I... I want to pray. We want to pray for you. Roxana and Dave and, and Andrea and Chris and myself are going to be up here. And, and while this song is going, they'll be over here and Dave and Andrea over here and Chris and I. Look, this is, uh, you want to walk outside of all this stuff? This, this is kind of the first, one of the first steps, just going, okay, I don't care who's looking. I don't care what, I want freedom. I want to walk in freedom. God, I don't want that, that thing that has tried to define me for the last 20 years to define me anymore. I want it broken over my life, and I want to walk in the freedom of Christ Jesus, being a new creation, because that's what the Bible says about me. But nowhere in the scripture do I see a Lone Ranger Christian. You know, here, here's, here's one good thing Miss Hillary said. It takes a village. I'll lighten it up. I need men and women in my life. I need them praying for me. I need them standing with me. I need them calling out my stuff. I need a church to walk with, to be a part of.
community of believers. So that I don't believe the lies. This is a time that we usually we receive communion and, and we'll continue, but I'm gonna, as he's uh, singing, as they're leading us in worship, um, I want you to receive communion on your own. There's communion cups in the back of your, your chairs and throughout the building. And the Bible does say this. It says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. Don't take it yet. He took the bread, he broke it, and he said, this is my body that's been broken for you. He said, eat this in remembrance of me. And they took the wine that represented his blood, and he said, drink this in remembrance of me. And as you're sitting and as we're doing this worship song, I want you to receive at your own leisure. But I want you to examine your heart. And if, if there's something that needs to be healed, if there's something that you're walking in, we're, we're going to be here to pray with you, pray for you. So um, just where you're seated, um, Dave and Andrea, will you come up? Chris and Roxanne, will you guys over, over here? You want to come up over here with her, with her. Um, as we're worshiping if you want to come up for prayer come on up if you don't that's great but i want to give you the opportunity today father i thank you for this word i thank you for, god that that there is no condemnation we're free god i thank you for, for that we're new creations in christ God, let us be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let us be the voice that speaks truth that others might know him. As we receive this communion, God, and, and set our hearts right with you, Father God, and as we sit before that cross, Father God, and allow the blood of Jesus to flow and redeem us, God, let us be reminded that we're a new creation. Oh, God, have mercy on us. Thank you.